Hi, I'm Karen and I'm one of the pastors at Les Murdy Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us for this message. What you will experience is part of our regular service. And if you would like to join us for a full service at either 9.30 or 5 on a Sunday, please just type lbc.online.church into your web browser. Okay, we're going to uh, pick up our theme because of her. And I want to do that in this next little space now by looking at uh, telling you some stories about some more women from the Bible. We've heard a, a couple already or had reference to some nameless women and and we, we heard one story in the kids section already. But I want to go to just a few more. There's so many stories we could tell, but I just want to take a few. The first is Deborah. Now, Deborah was quite an extraordinary woman in the Old Testament. She was a judge or a ruler uh, in Israel and the only female judge mentioned in the Old Testament. Now, in a culture that generally saw women in very subordinate roles to men, this was quite a remarkable thing, uh, quite an amazing thing. And Deborah was one of the leaders, one of the judges who would uh, people would come to with things that were uh, complex or worrying or unsure for them. And she would uh, listen to their cases, then take some time to think and pray, and then she would give guidance and advice on what it was that she thought people sh would be best to do in the circumstances they found themselves in. So Deborah was a judge or a ruler, a leader in Israel. But she was also a prophet and one of only five women described as such But in the Old Testament. But along with that, it was only her and Samuel, a fairly famous Old Testament character, only Deborah and Samuel were known in Israel, in the Old Testament records at least, as both prophets and judges, which is again quite an extraordinary thing. And because of this, um, this, this, this role of being a prophet, someone who heard and spoke God's voice, Deborah was able to bring great wisdom and great discernment to her judging, to her ruling and her leadership. So Deborah was a judge and a prophet. She was also a warrior and most famously she led an army against um, a, a guy called Sisera who had been oppressing with his armies the Israelite people for, for many, many years. She led an army of only 10,000 men against his army of 100,000 men and saw victory for the Israelite army. Now, Sisera himself, in an interesting side note, was actually killed in the end, not by Deborah or the army, but by another woman, Jael. And that's an interesting story you should take some time to look up in the week. So Deborah, judge, prophet, warrior. She was also a poet and a songwriter and a singer. And it's uh, Judges chapter uh, 5 that is actually gives testimony to that. In fact, you can read Deborah's story in Judges 4, where it's told in prose form, and in Judges 5, where her song is recorded, capturing um, largely for us the story of her life. So when we think of, of Deborah through that lens, the because of her lens, what do we note? Well, because of Deborah, the people of God that were alive in her time, they were given wise counsel and they were shown kindness and compassionate leadership. They were granted freedom from an oppressive enemy and the story records for us that they were given 40 years of peace after Deborah led that army into battle against Sisera. And I think another thing that the people of her time uh, received or, ha or had because of Deborah was they got to see someone reflecting God's creative 
uh, image, ref reflecting the creativity of our good creator God. They saw that in her poetry, in her songwriting, in her singing. It was good for them to have a leader who uh, reflected this creativity of our God. So there's some things that happened because of Deborah. I want to tell you another story about another woman, Jehoshaphat. Now you can read her story in just a couple of verses. It's recorded pretty much with the same words in 2 Kings 11 and in 2 Chronicles 22. Let me read you the 2 Kings version. It goes like this. When Athaliah, the mother of King Ahaziah of Judah, learned that her son was dead, she began to destroy the rest of the royal family, the rest of her family. But Ahaziah's sister, Jehoshaphat, the daughter of King Jehoram, she took Ahaziah's infant son, Joash, and stole him away from amongst the rest of the king's children who were about to be killed. She put Joash and his nurse into a bedroom and they hid him from Athaliah so that the child was not murdered. Joash remained hidden actually in the temple of the Lord for six years while Athaliah ruled over the land. Now you might not actually have caught up with that story because you were so busy listening to the unusual names, unusual to our, our, our way of thinking. So let me give it to you in a nutshell. Basically what happened is Auntie Jehoshiba took her nephew um, who was Prince Joash and hid him so that he was saved from the massacre of his crazy my word, not the Bible's, grandma. She was planning basically to kill everyone in the, in the royal family because her son had died and she'd had a lot of power and authority over her son. She wanted to make sure no one else um, could become king or could become ruler. So she wanted to, to kill all the rest of the royal family. And in doing this, Jehosheba preserved the royal line of King David through whom we eventually come to Jesus. She preserved the royal line by saving her nephew, the Prince Joash. So because of this woman's quick thinking, because of her compassion and her bravery, a little boy was saved. But extraordinarily, a lineage was kept intact. A lineage down through whom we get to a point in history where Jesus is born. I think that's quite extraordinary. Another woman. Let's go to the New Testament now. Priscilla. You can read her story starting in Acts 18 and there's um, some more about her in, in Corinthians and in Timothy. She's sometimes referred to as Prissa, not Priscilla. Um, just that might give you a bit of a clue if you're trying to track her story through. Now Priscilla and her husband um, Aquila, they meet up with Paul uh, in Corinth. And they, uh, Priscilla and Aquila had to get out of Rome in a hurry because of some oppression there. And they meet up with, with Paul and they find they have a lot in common, not just their faith in Jesus, but they are all in the leather making industry or the tent making industry. So the three of them, Paul and Priscilla and Aquila, they travel on together to Antioch. You can read that in Acts 18 and then on to Ephesus. And the story tells us that Priscilla and Aquila, they do a little bit of teaching and, and help do a little bit of correcting of one of the influential young leaders uh, who was rising up at the time called Apollos. He was getting a little bit confused in his uh, storytelling about who Jesus was and why he had come. And Priscilla was able to help Apollos refine his theology so that he did a better job preaching about Jesus to the people that he spoke to. 
And then uh, Priscilla and Aquila find themselves in Ephesus, which was a difficult area in the ancient world, but an area in which they established a home church. And you can read about that in 1 Corinthians 16. And they became known through this church. This church became known for its hospitality and kindness and hard work. So Priscilla is described as an equal to her husband, Aquila. She worked alongside him as a tent maker. She taught theology and established a thriving church alongside him. And she was known for her generous hospitality and her kindness and her compassion. So what are some of the things that uh, happened because of her, because of Priscilla? Well, because of Priscilla, Paul, that influential leader in the early church, he was given uh, companionship and comfort. They, they helped Paul, Priscilla and um, Aquila with practical needs along the way. So that was a pretty important thing. Because of Priscilla, other influential leaders like Apollos were uh, helped sort of get right with their theology so that when they went on their missionary journeys telling people about Jesus, they did that in a, a good, solid, constructive way. And because of Priscilla, through the local church she and her husband established, a community was transformed by generosity and love and compassion and, uh, yeah, really generous hospitality, which was a wonderful thing. I want to do one more. You got energy? Time for one more? I want to talk about Mary. Now, Mary, her story, you, start, you find the start of that, uh, one of the places at least, is in Luke chapter 1. And I want to read you that story from there. It's from Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 28. So Gabrielle, an angel, appeared to Mary, a young teenage woman. And he said, Grace to you, young woman, for the Lord is with you, and so you are anointed with great favour. Now, being a normal young woman, Mary was, the story tells us, deeply troubled over the words of the angel and bewildered over what this may mean for her. But the angel reassured her, saying, Do not yield to your fear, Mary, for the Lord has found delight in you and has chosen to surprise you with a wonderful gift. You will become pregnant with a baby boy and you are to name him Jesus. He will be supreme and will be known as the Son of the Highest. And the Lord, Lord God will enthrone him as king on his ancestor David's throne. He will reign as a king of Israel forever, and his reign will have no limit. Mary said, with a very practical question, well, how could this happen? I'm still a virgin. Gabrielle answered, the spirit of holiness will fall upon you and almighty God will spread his shadow of power over you in a cloud of glory. This is why the child born to you will be holy and he will be called the son of God. What's more, your aged aunt, your aged aunt Elizabeth has also become pregnant with a son. The barren one, as she had been called, is now in her sixth month of pregnancy. Not one promise from God, said the angel, is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. Then Mary, who had been timid and puzzled and bewildered, responded saying, This is amazing. I will be a mother for the Lord. As his servant, I accept whatever he has for me. May everything you have told me come to pass. 
and the angel left her. Because of Mary, because of her, how would you finish that sentence? Because of Mary, I've been thinking about that in the week. And here's some of the ways I could finish that sentence. Because of Mary, the Son of God had a mother. Because of Mary, when the Son of God was born, he was wrapped up in a cloth and kept safe and secure. Because of Mary, the Son of God was fed and housed and loved. Because of Mary, the Son of God was nurtured, he was worried about, he was checked in on, and he was mourned because of her. You know, the last time we read anything of Mary in the Bible is in Acts chapter 1. It's not long after Jesus had just been seen for the last time on this earth until he comes again. And Mary is in a second floor room in a home in Jerusalem. And the Bible story in Acts chapter 1 says, Those present were Peter, John, Jacob, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, Jacob, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas, the son of Jacob, and a number of women, unnamed, except for Mary. A number of women, including Mary, Jesus' mother. His brothers were there as well. All of them were united in prayer, gripped with one passion, interceding night and day. I love that image. Mary, the mother of Jesus, there in that room with his one-time disbelieving brothers, on their knees praying. It's a beautiful image, I think. Because of Mary, we have seen how life plays out in the ordinary and the extraordinary. Because of Mary, we have seen how the divine and mysterious can actually meet the human and the familiar. Because of Mary, because of Priscilla and Deborah, Jehosheba, Joshabed, Miriam, Bithia, and more beside, because of my mum, Pauline, because of my daughters, Catherine and Emily, because of my sister, Libby, and my niece, Georgia, because of friends of mine like Elaine and Emma, and many more beside, because of them, I am inspired to be a woman who does extraordinary things in her ordinary life, uh, so that my words and my actions reflect and point people to the unfailing love of Jesus. Who are the because of people in your life? because of her people in your life. You know, how do they inspire you to live your life? And I want to know, have you told them lately? I dare you to do that today or this week. Think about the people who have inspired you to do something extraordinary with your ordinary life in Jesus' name. And where you find some time today or this week to let them know call their names out loud in a great tradition in which we have been doing that for century upon century.